Hi, I'm Vosh Bodhi, and this is TTV, Talk to Vosh. I take you around the world to meet interesting people in and affecting the LGBTQI communities. In this episode, we kick off this ongoing series called The Intersex Interviews, where we meet people connected to the intersex community, each with their unique perspectives and stories to share. I invite you to settle in and enjoy as we explore the I in LGBTQI, right here on TTV, Talk to Vosh. Intersex people are individuals born with any of several characteristics that do not fit into the standard definition of typical male or female bodies. Joining me now is Jessup Benedict, intersex liaison at the Center in Las Vegas. Hi, Jessup. Hi, Vosh. Jeff Benedict here in Las Vegas. Do you prefer Jeff? Jessup? Jess? Well, my given name when I was born was Jeff. And then um, I had to start taking hormones to survive in my 40s. So I thought I needed to be Jess. Then I came to the conclusion about 10 years into it that I'm not really either one of those people. I'm both. I'm the Jeff that I grew up as and I was the Jess that I became, but not absent of the other. So both of those people are who makes me. So I took Jeff and I took Jess and I put them together and now I'm Jessup. I love it. So I will call you Jessup. There are many types of intersex variations. What's yours? Uh, Mine is hypospadias with micropenis, or in other words, I was born a hermaphrodite. That's interesting that you use the term hermaphrodite, because I have interviewed other people who have said that the use of the term is a little pejorative. I've actually had quite a few discussions of, about this in the last couple of days, and I find that people that are hermaphrodites have no problem with the word, but people that are intersex and not a hermaphrodite think that it's a slur or, or just not a good word. So I'm having a little trouble with the fact that it seems like the intersex community is trying to erase the hermaphrodites by not allowing people to use that word. It saves a lot of time. Explaining intersex takes 20 minutes and explaining a hermaphrodite is saying the word hermaphrodite. There are different ways and schools of thought around looking at intersex people. There's disorders yeah, uh, of sexual development, and then there's just looking at it as a natural variation. Uh, I totally think it's a natural variation. Um, I don't like DSD because it makes it a disorder, but intersex people have been around since the time of Christ and before that, I'm sure. But in Matthew 19, 12, Jesus speaks of some people being born that way. They use the word eunuch, but um, I'm pretty sure that that wasn't the word Jesus used because eunuch and hermaphrodite and intersex were not words that were used in the Aramaic language that Jesus spoke. But he said that some people are born both male and female and that it's okay and whoever can accept this should. So it's a variation of human that's been around for thousands of years at least. It just blows my mind that this conversation even has to happen and that myself didn't even understand like that people like me existed until I was 45 years old and I found out I was that type of human. What was growing up like for you? Well, my mother was a very violent alcoholic, so it was rather abusive. I was forced to be in a more masculine way and my brother was told to toughen me up and things like that. And um, got a note home from school because my favorite color was pink, and we finally decided to 
has to be red and just add a bunch of white to it and it'll be pink. So we settled on that. And then uh, when I was in my 40s, I was dying. I had to actually sign doctor's paperwork that says, I know I'm dying in the next 90 days. And the doctor's done everything they could and don't sue the doctor kind of paperwork. The doctor was doing examination, thought that I had Lyme disease and he was going to prove it. So he was doing a full body examination and he gets near the end of it and he looks up at me and he goes, did you know you were born with a vagina? I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> so then he explained it to me and why he said that. And I left his office and pretended that conversation didn't happen for about five years. The fact that I was dying and nobody could figure out why ended up being that my body needed female hormones. So now I take estrogen and I've, I haven't been any healthier in my whole life. And it's been gone four or five years now that I've been on estrogen. So non-consensual gender assignment surgeries are called IGM or infant genital mutilation. What surgeries were performed on you as a child? They surgically removed the vagina through hysterectomy and sewed all that closed. And then the penis was actually where the clitoris would be. So they moved it up to where it's traditionally placed. But in the process, the urethra wasn't designed to be that long in me. So it has lots of failures. And so it creates holes that aren't supposed to be there. If I pee in a urinal, I can pee in the urinal and on the person to my left at the same time. You actually even have a blog where you yes, talk about this quite specifically. What is your blog? Where does God want me to pee? As in go to the bathroom. It's all because of the uh, transgender bathroom fights that are continuously going on. And it's like, well, if you have this, God wants you to pee there. And if you have that, God wants you to pee there. And it's like, well, I was born with both. So where does God want me to pee? Where do you pee? It depends on how I'm dressed. <laughs> Which do you find yourself presenting more? I think my feminine side is more predominant, but my masculine side is more utilitarian. If I'm out and I'm in a feminine mode and a couple of guys start fighting on the bar or whatever, all of a sudden I'm in defense mode and it just like blows the whole thing. <laughs> how would you define your gender? It's kind of like describing blue to a blind person. You have baby blue and navy blue and azure blue and all the other blues in between. And it's really hard to describe it to somebody that can't feel it or see it or touch it. I don't have a label for it. I'm not really into labels. I'm just if I'm both. I'm amalgamation of male and female put together to create one human. It's not A or B, and it's not A, B, or C. It's A through Z and one through a jillion. Because as intersex people prove, gender is not just your chromosome. What's been the toughest part of being intersex? The most difficult part for me would be the fact that I had to take female hormones and started developing female features. So I was then immediately identified as transgender. And the way people treat transgender people is the way they treated me. 
people try and tell you that you're insane and that you're mentally ill. And, you know, I have the advantage of medical science to know that I'm not. But if you're transgender and nobody's ever explored the fact that you're intersex, you might be, you might not be, but that doesn't make you less valuable as a human or worthy of ridicule and disdain. You are listening to TTV, Talk to Vosh. I'm Vosh Bodhi, here speaking with Jessup Benedict, intersex liaison with the LGBTQ Center in Las Vegas. What were your inspirations? Who were your heroes that helped you get through this difficult time? <laughs> uh, being an intersex person, that's the loneliest time of your life. Um, because I literally thought I was the only one. Didn't know there was other intersex people out there, had never met an intersex person until I started reading about my situation. I never even knew it existed. And when you're first trying to learn about this stuff, it takes you to some extremely dark places that make you feel really bad about yourself because you go and try and find out it on the internet. And the first thing comes up is that you're a fetish and there's very little talk about the actual numbers of people that it affects. So you're reading this about yourself and you're like, holy smokes, this is me. Am I the only one? Until you find an intersex group or create one like I did, you don't have anybody. So I'm afraid there were no heroes at that time. You have established community. Well, I felt I had to um, because I got to be honest with you, this is the last subject I want to talk about. But there's children whose lives are being destroyed the same as mine was so that they can be normal. And it's not normal to do that to a child. What type of medical intervention do you recommend for people with your variation? Unless it's medically necessary, and in my case it was not, I wouldn't do anything. There's no reason to do cosmetic surgery on a child. And if that child decides that they fit into the binary and they want to be either A or B, let them make that decision. They'll let you know. Some children mature much quicker than other children. And most intersex children are rather intelligent. Like every intersex person I know has a high IQ. I started asking because it was becoming relatively prominent. So I'm thinking that these kids would know relatively early in life how they felt whether they felt like they were a boy or they felt like they were a girl. But I don't think that they should have to decide. Which brings us to the California bill and the Nevada bills that are trying to be passed where they're actually making it law that you cannot operate on a child with yes. cosmetic surgery prior to their knowledge. It's the second time that they've tried to get this bill to go through and they decided it didn't affect enough people, so it didn't matter. Do you have numbers? I believe intersex is underreported and that the parents that have noticeably intersex children don't report it necessarily. And the parents that have not noticeably intersex children don't know. So I'm thinking the estimate of 1.7% is at least half of what it really is. Do you believe the initialism that's used by the LGBTQI community, do you believe that it should include the intersex people? I do believe that it should include intersex people because it's literally about human rights and intersex people are human, just like gay people are human. Transgender people are human, lesbians are human, we're all humans, and we all deserve to be treated equally. 
a lot of intersex people are trying to stay separate from the transgender community because they don't want to be considered transgender. Some of them feel the same way about transgender people as the people that are treating them poorly, even though they're intersex and they're proof that transgender is a valid thing. I try to explain to these intersex people that I understand that you don't want to be treated like transgender people are, but you need to understand that nobody should be treated the way transgender people are. Nobody should be treated that way, ever. What are some protections that are needed for the intersex community? Well, the first thing is we need doctors. To find a doctor that knows anything about intersex is almost impossible. I had a primary care doctor tell me that I was lying to him and having me drug tested when I told him I was a hermaphrodite. And it was my first appointment with him and he had not read my records yet. He apologized when I went back, but that was the last time he was my doctor because I straightened him out and told him what I felt about him and then I went and got another doctor. We need doctors. Two, we need to be allowed to pee wherever the hell we want to pee. If I have this voice and I'm wearing a dress, it shouldn't matter where I pee. I should pee where I feel safe. And, you know, if somebody's, anybody is in a bathroom doing anything inappropriate, they should have to register as a sex offender for the rest of their life. No ifs, ands, or buts. So that everybody can feel safe going to the bathroom. What's the coolest thing about being intersex? For me, it's knowing that I am a variation of human that is unique. Are you at peace with your body now? Um, I wish it was the way it was when I was born, but I'm content. What wisdom do you have for other intersex people with your variation? The first thing is, A, you're human. The second thing is, you're not a fetish. And the third thing is, you're not alone. What do you think the future holds for intersex people? Kind of a back to the future sort of thing because back in the days of cleopatra intersex people served on the queen's court and um, they were the advisors to the kings and they held positions of power and influence because they were considered to be more intelligent and trustworthy than the people of the binary sexual system so a rise to power and conquering the world is what i'm hearing no, I don't know about conquering the world, but at least rising in prominence and being respected for their intelligence and their ability to see things differently because I don't see things as a man does and I don't see things as a woman does. I see things as I do and it doesn't necessarily follow gender lines. I walk between the fences. Justin, thank you so much for talking to me. Hey, the pleasure's been all mine, and I really, really appreciate you having the conversation. You have been listening to TTV, Talk to Vosh. My guest has been Joseph Benedict, the intersex liaison with the LGBTQ Center in Las Vegas. To help end infant genital mutilation, please contact your local representative and let them know you demand intersex protections. For more information or to see this interview in its entirety, please visit justvosh.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Vosh Bodhi. Remember, if you have a story to tell, TTV, talk to Vosh.